If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now, our guest today is Zoe Code. Zoe is a regular guest and she's been on the show before. She was on number 446 and we brought her on as a competitor, trainer, author and movie star and she's told us all about her story. So I think if you haven't heard about Zoe before, haven't heard that story, go back and listen now, 446, and then come back and we'll talk about Zoe. And She's going to talk to us today about tips for horses in long-term rest. Now, Zoe, are you there? I am here. Great. How are you, Zoe? Very well, thank you. I hope you are okay too. Yes, yes, very good. So in the morning over there and the evening here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, with the wonders of technology. Now, Zoe, what we're talking about today, your top 10 tips for horses in long-term rest, can you tell us a little bit about why you've chosen this particular subject? So I get asked frequently about what to do with horses in long-term rest. Basically, because one of my horses in 2013, it turned out that she had broken one of her legs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was advised by four different vets to put her to sleep. And I decided to go against their wishes. (laughs) And I've known horses to be put to sleep for even um, less worse fractures. And I decided to give her a chance. And I wrote a book about it. And the book is called The Horse That Broke Two Legs um, because during the recovery process, she actually also fractured her right front hoof yeah. because she was um, compensating her weight mm-hmm. to, um, yeah, kind of get better. But she made a full recovery. It took about a year and a half. And, um, yeah, my top 10 tips today about horses in long-term rest are basically what I did to help her come through this and uh, the advice I give to people in general day to day. I'm just talking about that book because I think we talked about it last time. It's available in three languages. Yeah. You've got it in English, Dutch, and German. Is yes. that right? That's, that's correct, yes. Good, good. All right, so the first 10 tips, you've said before 18 months, but what's the general timeline? For that kind of fracture mm-hmm. or... I think generally, well, horses in long-term rest, I mean, that's what the tips are about, is horses in long-term rest. What is a long-term rest? What's a short-term rest? And what's a long-term rest? I guess anything from two months Mm -hmm. forwards is going to fall into the long-term category because the health of the horse can deteriorate. You're going to see muscle loss. You're going to see maybe a deterioration in their their brain, so to speak. yeah, so two months onwards. For some horses, it's going to be two months and less, especially if they're high-energy horse or their diet's not changed to suit their rest period and stuff like that. So two months onwards, anything up to two years. 
okay. is what I'm talking about here. I mean, you talked about where they're kept, so the accommodation for these horses in long-term rest. You know, where should they be? What's the best for them? It's, it's, it's quite a difficult one. For me, my horse um, had the option to be in a stable for that mm-hmm. period. Yes. Because we set a timeline of one to two years as long as her mind stayed good. That was, for me, most important. Um, but I had an option to create a, a small paddock, mm-hmm. a little bit bigger than your regular three-by-three-metre stable. And for me, this was the better option because I could create an environment more suitable for the horse. It's not so prison-like. It's less stressful. The horse can see around. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, the vets will tell you that the horse needs minimal movement and things like that. But this is when I encourage the horse owner to really dig deep and get information from the vet because there are some injuries that require a little bit of movement. I mean, my horse, her leg was quite literally hanging off at the patella joint. The three tendons that sit in there had been pushed aside due to the fracture, so she could not use this leg. But movement still helped her a little bit. And I'm only talking about three by six area. Um, and within three months, we already saw her leg set itself back in place and her muscle mass was not so so lost and her mind was also better. So a paddock with a sand bottom or for, in her case, we had a concrete floor and I set some straw down in a corner to minimize her wishing to lay down. So again, these are things you have to think about for each individual horse, but a paddock without three walls or four walls surrounding them is better for the mind in general anyway. It's interesting the terminology. You know, when you said a paddock, because I've travelled a bit overseas and I thought, I'll bet you mean a yard. So what we in Australia would call a yard, you're calling a paddock. We might call a paddock something that's yeah. measured by uh, square miles, you know, because it's paddocks. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a big paddock, whereas... A small one, like you were talking about a paddock, would be, we call it a yard. Yeah, and preferably, you know, three to four by six metres yes. with um, wooden or panel fencing, not electric fencing. Yep. <laughs> that yep. would be the tough, yeah. Um, yeah, small area. All right. Now, you, t- you talked about the diet a little bit before, but the horses for long-term rest, do you change their diet, not change their diet? Okay. How's their diet changed? Well, so a lot of horses, especially performance horses, mm-hmm. which are more inclined, unfortunately, to injury, um, they seem to, I've seen this, oh, I think 20 times. They ask me, oh, why is my horse so crazy? You won't settle down. And then I ask them what they're feeding the horse and it's still receiving. Mm-hmm. It's performance, high energy food, yep. um, a far too large intake of vitamins. Um, really, the horse could go back to a very primitive, basic diet of preferably old dry hay and a nice light uh, vitamin and mineral support balancer or something like that just mm-hmm. to help them stay healthy while they're not moving. Okay. And, uh, and of course, water. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Now, you talked about the long term. You said two months, could be two years. And I think that's the next yeah. tip you've got is to give them the time they need. You know, if we can talk about that a bit. Yeah, this is where people are always in such a hurry to get their horse better or they're worrying, oh, I should be riding my horse, blah, 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 blah. Mm. You know, it's our responsibility as horse owners. If I had a 
I have had actually back injuries and somebody's trying to usher me back to work to sit in a chair six hours a day. One, I'm not going to want to do that. I'm going to be unhappy and it's going to be painful. So, I mean, they're living, breathing, decision-making animals. They're very aware of their bodies. They know that if they hurt their legs, their instinct tells them they're on the food chain. We can't change that genetically. They really do believe they're on the food chain. Horses that whack their hips when they're um, going in and out of a stall, for example, and then they have a fear of going in and out of that stall. All these little things add up in the horse's mind. So when they do get an injury, it's up to us and it's our responsibility to just give them the time. Most tendon injuries or, let's say, tissue ligament injuries can and will heal sometimes inside three months if they're given the time and the the appropriate settings to do so. Now, of course, that depends on the severity of the injury. But um, let's say a small little tendon swelling. If you give the horse the appropriate rest with a little bit of movement because it's a soft tissue injury, the horse can and will heal, especially if his mind is correct. If we're talking about a broken leg, with the appropriate settings, depending on the severity of the fracture, of course, I still believe it's very possible to help them heal. They might not heal 100%, but they will heal to a point where, you know, they can have some sort of life mm-hmm. that is uh, durable. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, if we love them so much, we can, we can provide this for them, mm-hmm. basically. Now, the next tip you've got is about positive energy. So you've talked about changing the diet to cut down on the high energy. Tell us what you mean by positive energy and how important is it? So I spoke about this in my book a little bit. Um, The first week when she was diagnosed with the broken leg um, and I was making my decision what to do with her, um, I was really quite pathetically sad, very tearful, crying into her neck, um, just really down. And I watched her eyes, become small I watched her hair the shine on her coat disappear and I watched her body start to deteriorate each day in front of my eyes and then it dawned on me it was about a week later Monday morning and I said Zoe what are you doing (laughs) so I made a big promise and told myself that I will go to the the barn and when I see her I'm going to have a big smile and treat her like she is not sick and I tell you that afternoon her eyes got big and sparkly again the shine come back in her coat and she started to look more happy so positive energy is so important i see so many people treat not just horses all animals actually when they're sick like they are sick now of course they have a brain and if we keep treating them like they're sick guess what's going to happen so positive energy is super important making them feel well trying not to, to act too differently around them uh, when they are so ill, especially with things like colic. We're, we're seeing more and more now with uh, modern technology how ho- horses interact with the human, and um, positive energy is one of the biggest factors. Uh, yes. So, yeah, we have to yeah. be their light. Well, they feed off our emotions, don't they? You know, if we're nervous, they're going to get nervous. If we're confident, calm, exactly. they're going to get confident, calm. If you're emotionally not very stable, then it's going to feed off, whereas if you're very confident exactly, yeah. and happy. Yeah. All right. Now, that's that's good. That's a good explanation. And, and I like the way you've talked about the whole way through her mind. You know, you're very aware of her, not just her physically, but her 
emotional or mental state, you know, just to make sure that she's okay, that she's happy throughout this yes. whole whole period. Yes, indeed, yeah. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Now you've talked about accommodation, but now we're talking about environment. Yes, and that was super important. So for example, with her situation when she was in the stable for the first uh, few weeks, she was on her own. I had no choice in the matter. There was horses that were in the stalls next to her at night and then they would go out to the pasture in the morning. Terrible, terrible situation. It was awful. <laughs> so in the end, I could move her to a more quiet stable, but still, the horse was uh, not in her normal routine, turning and twisting in the stable, and you're like, oh my God. So that's where I discovered environment is super important if you can have a, an area where they don't see the horses coming and going and where there's not too much human traffic where people maybe don't realize they walk by and then touch the horse on the nose but it actually disturbs their day you know peace and quiet horses uh, can really handle silent times and what we would perceive as boredom because <laughs> yeah. i know i couldn't live in a stable for 24 hours they they have ways of coping with this as long as we give them um, suitable environment for that so at one time she was in the stable and again I wrote about this in the book and there was an empty area behind her and the farmer was busy laying down a loop footpath and a big lorry came along and emptied out about a thousand bricks behind <laughs> her stall mm -hmm. behind her so I tell you <laughs> I thought she was going to break her other leg yep. and I was so upset this was during the week of the less uh, the negative <laughs> energy yeah and she picked up on that. And, uh, yeah, it was terrible. So if, your if you know your horse is going to be in a long-term environment, um, a long-term rest, the environment is super important. I even had a sign on the door, please don't bring your horse over to say hello because people think it's a good thing. And then the horse squeals and kicks the door. And just got to be really aware and create an environment that's not, that's least upsetting for them. Mm -hmm. Calmness is the key to cure, just like us, really. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I find that super important. Yes, yes. Now, the next one's a bit interesting because people talk about horses, keep them in a routine or horses like their routine, but what you're saying is to mix the routine a bit. Yes, yeah. It's it's really important. I mean, I was um, my background is natural horsemanship <laughs> and you it's learn a... to use a lot of reverse psychology and it's very successful with horses. Yep. So if we think about horses at a, at a riding school, they know their routine, they know when the food is coming, they know they have to ride around an arena, all these kinds of things. And if you try to change that, you're going to have a little bit of a fight or a strong horse on the end of your line. Mm -hmm. 
um, horses that kick doors, pouring the ground, these are all man-made habits. Um, and even changing, like, if say the horse gets hay in the morning, hay in the afternoon, hay in the evening. Could get hay in the morning at 8 o'clock one day, 9 o'clock the next day. In the afternoon, 1 o'clock, and then the next day, 2 o'clock. And in the evening, 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock. Just not keeping it dead to the hour because we all know horses have inbuilt clocks. And if they're standing there waiting for their food to come, it is stress. That's all they're thinking about. Where's my food? Where's my food? And it can create, um, yeah, unwanted behaviors. So, mm-hmm. You know, even if it's 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. In general, if my horses are ever asking me, slave, bring me my food, they're not going to get their food in that moment. Yeah. You right. know, it, it's all about um, constant training. Of course, with a horse in a, in a place where you're paying for full livery, it's hard to do that. Um, but where I suggest, if it's possible, you can change the routine. Even by the hour, it's a little bit more interesting for the horse as well. Mm-hmm. And then they don't become so dependent. Yes. But not easy to do. Yes, it does depend on the, the situation. And you said yeah. about, um, you know, boredom breakers is the next thing. So... What have you got as, yeah. as far as providing boredom breakers? Because these horses aren't able to go out and go on a trail ride and, you know, go down the beach and do things like that. So they're there exactly. locked yeah, in their paddock or in their stable or whatever for a long period of time. So in the way of boredom breakers, what have you got? Well, you've got edible trees. I mean, of course, it's different in every country all around the world, so I won't give a specific list of edible trees. You can mm-hmm. Google that. But, you know, you can hang them in the stable, leave them on the floor, and the horse loves to chew on the leaves. And in some cases, depending on the tree, they love to chew on the bark. You can hang certain fruits and vegetables on a rope. In hot countries, I guess like in your country in the summer, you can even um, freeze down um, fruits. So they're like a, a little ice brick so the horse can lick that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many um, beautiful things you can hang in a stable now for a horse to lick and chew on or these balls that you put some treats inside and the horse can move the ball with its nose depending on the injury of course because yep. if the horse has to rest its leg I'm not going to put something on the ground <laughs> yes yes and you know just hiding things in their hay net if they have a hay net stuff like that really yeah just little yep. and you can put things in their water if they have a water bucket just a nice little yep. treat really <laughs> all right you talked earlier about it's training you know, if my horse does this, then they're not going to get rewarded for that. How else yeah. can we train? Because we generally think about training horses when we ride them. What would you have as mm-hmm. far as training? What can they do with a horse that has got two broken legs, you know, to improve, to their yeah. learning time? You know, they're getting some training. They're getting some learning. What sort of um, – and, and you want to improve the, the relationship and move on, but what would you recommend? Well, the first part is it's the most the most beautiful time you can work on the bonding with the horse. Mm-hmm. If we watch horses together, most of the time they do nothing together or they play or they eat or they tell each other to go away. So sometimes just sitting there, and this is really hard for a lot of people to do nothing with them, is one of the most beautiful bonding yeah, lessons you can have where the horse um you know, can spend time with you where you're not asking anything, even with your mind, yep. just basically doing nothing. 
then of course there's there's so many things you can't depending again on the horse's injury and that's quite difficult to um, determine in this uh, interview but you can teach the horse to lower their head on a hair put a halt help them put the halter on yep. um help ask them to help you put the halter on asking them to make a step over uh on a hair or a skin feeling rather than clawing and pushing them over mm-hmm. you know if you give the horse time in everything and i'm not just talking about in rest for injuries but also time in response they will respond the horse will always choose the lighter response over the firmer response and one of my sayings is horse can only learn lightness true lightness if we show them what lightness is first and because we are we have this opposable thumb and we have these claw like hands we generally what we think is lightness when we touch or approach or use a rope on a horse is not actually a real lightness mm-hmm. so practicing those kind of things like if i close my thumb and my first finger on the line what response do i get from the horse and when somebody starts to truly identify and recognize that their horse can respond to these real light aids it takes it goes true to everything you do yeah right through to riding are you kicking your horse to go or are you using internal energy and maybe a closing of your seat how do we do that well we have to teach the horse and show them that we know and get the response wait for the, the light response and then reward them after So all of these things can be integrated into a horse that's standing still. Mm-hmm. Even picking up their their hoof to have their hoof picks. Do you pull at the leg or do you first give a click of the finger and then maybe a little tap of the hair and then maybe a firmer tap of the hair and let's see if the horse picks its foot up because after a couple of couple of repetitions he's going to prefer to pick up his foot with a click than to have his leg pulled up. If that makes sense. Yeah. So there's so many beautiful ground skills you can learn and it's very 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 rewarding. And horses are way more than riding, you know, to be able to just develop the partnership with the horse at any time that they can't be ridden. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look horsechats.com. All right. Now, what if the horse does have a long-term rest and their outcome in future may not be that they can be ridden anymore? What happens then? What, you know, with these horses and, you know, I think well, mares, mm, it's a little bit, well, can we, you know, are they good enough type and quality to breed with? Are they going to withstand the weight of a foal? But If not, what happens with them? You know, you've just spent two years saving the horse's life to only realise then that they're not able to. What, what sort of outcomes can they have? And geldings, you know, what, what sort of outcomes could they have? Yeah, and again, this is part of the big risk <laughs> as yeah. a horse owner um, yeah. that it's quite possible the horse does not come out sound. Um, uh, putting a mare in um, foal, depending on her injury, that would be a big consideration anyway, especially if um, it was genetic, like navicular disease or something yes. like that. Don't put them in foal. You know, it's, 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 this is how we're developing uh, badly bred horses. Um, you know, there's so many things we can do, especially in uh, the larger continents like Europe, America, Australia. There's always somebody looking for a companion horse. Yes. For their own horses. Mm-hmm. 
with the way modern training has evolved in the last, especially the last 10 years, thankfully, to modern technology, we can see now there are ways we can train a horse on the ground. Um, of course, now, if the horse is in pain, that's something else. We have to look at that. How much pain is the horse in? Can they um, survive on um, pain medication? If so, what effect is that going to have on the body long term? These are all individual decisions we have to make. But if the horse is, let's say, um, been determined as not sound, ideally shouldn't be ridden again, but can do things, then working with your horse on the ground, right through from basic skills in natural horsemanship or into quite high-level manoeuvres where we're asking the horse to collect his body a little bit and uh, perform shouldering, haunting, ramver, traver. All these exercises are basically yoga for the body anyway. Mm-hmm. And, of course, a slow start and building through. There's so many things you can do. I have three um, students whose horses are in this position where they've got a, either a, a long-term back injury, one has a hip injury, and they're performing quite high-level groundwork skills yes. and are very happy and content and able to continue a life where their life is not just, um, yeah, they have to be ridden. So many people believe that horses are there to be ridden and that's actually not always the case. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, again, it's looking at each individual um, and there, if it was a genetic issue, don't breed them. And um, with knowledge, I mean, if you don't know, today we've just got the Google button and we yes, can just yes. go in and do an internet search for these things. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. so many instructors and teachers out there that can give advice too. And I'm just thinking, you know, we have um, people looking for a companion horse for their own horses and there's also the situation where people may have had a lifetime with horses and not be able to ride. And they're happy for a horse exactly. that they can do a little bit of work on the ground with. You know, they can catch, they can groom, they can, you know, spend a yeah. lot of time with and build a bond with a horse. So sometimes people who can't ride are looking for horses that can't be ridden. Exactly, yeah. That's a really good point, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And promoting and advertising towards that as well. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, and I'm also thinking about, um, you know, equine facilitated learning, equine facilitated therapy, you know, those types of... yeah types of relationships where people and horses are bonding and, and learning about themselves a little bit more. I think there's there's a place for those horses. Yeah, that's a nice one. Zoe, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for coming in. I'm very interested. You know, you've got lots of lessons that you've learned yourself and you put them together in the horse that broke two legs and survived. If people would like to get yeah. that, I know they can get it on thehorsethatbroketwolegs.com. But if they wanted to contact you direct, what's the best way? Um, Facebook Messenger is the best way. Okay. Uh, you can find me at Zoe Code and my website, zoecode.com. All right, then. Beautiful. And we'll have those details on your page at horsechats.com slash zoecode2 or just go to horsechats.com, search for Zoe, and you'll find those details. All right, Zoe, thanks for coming, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon. Okay, thank you for having me. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. 
If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below. 